following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Alan here, and I'm here to share with you our regular message for Sunday morning. This is for Sunday, March the 22nd. Not sure, of course, when you're tuning in, either listening or watching, uh, but I'm continuing our series on the on the Gospel of Mark that I've entitled "The Remarkable Gospel," and this week's message is entitled "Faith, Not Fear." Of course, I didn't know that uh, when I planned this series that we'd be facing the current crisis. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the story of Jesus calming the storm, which I called uh, the Eye of the Storm. And last week was the other side and, and, and quite a remarkable story. And there's a very important message here in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, that speaks of, of, of what God wants us to understand in terms of, of, of facing fear and, and how to trust him at this time. So we hope everybody's coping well. Please, be in contact with anyone if you have any needs or want to share prayer requests. If you not, if you don't know who to contact uh, in the church, please email me at pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca. So please do that. And also, we want to encourage everybody to keep giving during this time. Uh, the things are still running. There's still bills that need to be paid, and so we'd really appreciate if uh, if you could do your part in this way. And you could do that by going online, going to the website, allsaintslutheran.ca, and click on the We Give link. If, if you're not familiar yet with how to give online, please contact us and we'll help you. You could also mail in or drop off check at, uh, at the church. So, so here we go. I'm going to read Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch him, if I touch... I'll read that again, verse 28. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. 
and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and were in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talita kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. So what we have here are two stories. We, we, we see, as we're reading through the Gospel of Mark, connection between various ones of, of the stories. Uh, this one is particularly connected because they're actually intertwined. One interrupts the other and adds drama to, to the lesson at hand. And so I'm going to read again, verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him and he was beside the sea. So they had been on the other side in Gentile territory in that region called the Decap, the, sorry, the Decapolis, the Ten Cities. And now they're coming back to the vicinity where they had been hanging out, uh, Capernaum and, and, and that area. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter's at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be well and live. And he went with him. So we know this man, Jairus, he's called one of the rulers of the synagogue. He wasn't the head of the, the local community. And a lot of people don't know that, that the Greek word ecclesia, where we get church from, ecclesia is closer to the French eglise, ecclesia, and synagogue in Greek are synonyms. And they both mean gatherings. But there is a tendency that, and but not all the time, that the exclusively Jewish gatherings, uh, the traditional houses of, of, of worship and study of the Jewish people at the time were called synagogues, synagogue, synagogues. And, and so Jairus, Jairus was one of, of the leaders, uh, of, of that, that congregation. There's a misnomer that all of the religious leaders in the New Testament, all the religious keeners, which is what I like to call the Pharisees, that they were all negative on, on Jesus. And clearly that's not true. There are others. Most of the establishment, most of the status quo had a hard time with him. But there were others like Jairus that saw what was going on and recognized him, uh, at, for what he, for who he was to at least some extent. So Jairus asks Jesus to come heal his daughter, and there's no hesitation on Jesus' part. He's willing to go. And there, we, there was a great crowd. Let's pick it up, middle of verse 24. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a, a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and, and was no better, but rather grew worse. So in the middle of this one story where Jesus is on his way and with crowds all around him, they're heading over to Jairus' house. And they get interrupted by this woman. And 
we get a lot of detail uh, uh, about her. And there's so much in the Gospel of, of Mark that speaks that wherever Mark got his story from appears to be an eyewitness. And tradition says it was Peter, that actually this Gospel is Peter's version of the story of Jesus. And Mark was was a traveling companion of Peter and eventually wrote this down. And so we get Peter's emotions and Peter's eyewitness account of, of, of many of these of, of many of these instances. And so there's a lot of detail about the about this woman. And we learn here that she had this discharge of blood. She had some sort of hemorrhage. And you might be aware that for a Jewish woman to have bleeding would make her ritually unclean. It would also make anybody whom she touches ritually unclean. And so the idea that she would be in a crowd and that, as we're going to see, she's going to push her way through the crowd. She was actually making all these other people ritually unclean, and that would not be very popular. So in many ways, she was a social outcast, and yet that didn't stop her from trying to break through to connect, literally connect by touching uh, uh, Jesus' garment. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. So uh, we also get this interesting statement about suffering under many physicians. It's not very uh, a positive uh, statement about doctors. I don't think it would be right to compare the doctors of those days to our doctors of our day. Uh, and uh, in our country, the way we pay doctors is different from other places, and especially at that time. But uh, she was very, she was earnest. And it might be more than anything what we see here is her earnestness, that she was willing to use her life savings in order to get better, uh, but it didn't work. All Twelve years went by, and not only did she not get better, but she actually got worse. Verse 27, she had heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Well, how did she know that? Really now, how did she know that if she would touch his, his clothes, that somehow she would be healed. How did she come to have this understanding? Well, we're not really told. All we have here is, is what we read is she had heard the reports about Jesus. And that was enough for her to do what she did. You may recall if you've, if you've been at, uh, at, at church re- recently and, and heard me uh, share these messages or you've listened to the, the audio on the website, you would know that it seems that there's a motif, there's a theme in, in Mark that is speaking uh, about insiders and outsiders. Not that it's always that obvious. And one of the interesting things about the outsiders is many of them were the the were keeners and, and religious leaders, and and they saw what Jesus was doing. They heard what Jesus was teaching. It. They had this very standoffish, harumph sort of uh, approach. And these are the people that normally we would think would know better. They're the learned ones. They're the keen ones. They're the normal insiders. And yet here, just like we just in the last story, we had. Uh, the the man who was inundated by a legion of demons in Gentile territory, and he ends up being totally delivered. While in, in while 
we we've read about the the keeners and religious leaders that are standoffish and here's another woman who's a normal outsider and she's bursting through this crowd trying to get to Jesus and what did she have to go on was it her religious education her theo- theological training was it because she had even seen all sorts of of wonders and signs miracles that Jesus had done we're told no, she had heard reports, and that was good enough for her. And I really don't get this. Many of us, we, we try to, to believe, we try to serve, we try to be faithful, and, and sometimes we see it seems like life isn't going the way we would like it to be, and then this, this lady, all she has is reports, and she does this. So, she has this conviction somehow that if I just touch his garments, I'll be made well. One thing we do see about her is she's desperate. She is desperate. We know she's desperate. She spent all of her money on doctors. And I imagine that not getting well was happening all the way through and getting worse was happening all the way through. And she kept forking over the money in hopes that she would get better. Well, now she's doing this. Well, then you might think, oh, well, maybe she didn't really have that much faith. Well, I guess it doesn't take that much faith to receive the blessing of God in the way that she did. Anyway, verse 29, we read, And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Now, we don't have, we have detail, but we don't have that much detail. But when she touched the garment of, of the Lord, she felt right away that she was healed. She felt it in her body. And then, Jesus felt something too. Verse 30, And Jesus, perceiving it himself, that power had gone out from him, immediately turned around, about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? Now this is, ha- this must, this is one of the funniest moments in scripture. And the disciples pick up on it. They say in verse 31, You see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, Who touched me? Like, come on. But, uh, that's, that's the case. He actually realized it, and there, which means, what it means is all these people were touching him, but only one person, one unclean outcast, touched him with a touch of faith. Well, we don't know about all the other, all the other pe- uh, people. So we see not all touches are the same. The other thing is too, like he could have just let this happen, and she'd be off, and she'd be fine, and nobody would know. But he wasn't done. He wasn't done with this women. He stopped. Now remember, he's on his way to Jairus' house. For all we know, there are other people touching him. Well, probably not getting healed because he, know, he knew when, when she did, when she touched him, touched him with faith, she was healed. And he makes a commotion. He stops. Uh, could you imagine being Jairus at this point? Come on, Jesus, my daughter is, 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 is dying. I need you. And yet, Jesus marches according to the, the beat of a different drum. And he wants to lead us to that beat, not our beat, not the way we want to go. And we've all been thrust in a time into a time that we haven't counted on. But the Lord knows what he's doing, and he knows what he's doing with his people, and he knows what he wants to do through his people. And so he'll interrupt the program for something that he wants to do and say. 
And sometimes we understand why, and often we don't understand why. But he has no issue with interrupting as he did here. And so it says, verse 32, and he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, remember she felt the change immediately, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now, why did she fess up? She was actually trying to get away and yet turned around and and responded to Jesus wanting to know. And I, I kind of wonder if there was this thing in her. On one hand, she didn't, wouldn't want anybody to know what her condition had been because she was bleeding and she did touch people. And yet, perhaps there was this thing in her that she wanted this connection with, with, with the Messiah who had just healed her. Um, one of the reasons why I wonder is why she didn't just run away. She came in fear and trembling and then told him all that had happened, which is what is the thing that would shock everybody around her. It's, it's pretty wild, uh, but she did it. So she, she comes, she's scared, and she explains everything, which is why we know what happened. If she hadn't made herself known, um, I, we wouldn't have this story. Verse 34, And he came. To, he said to her, rather, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Your faith has made you well. Well, what kind of faith did she have? She only heard reports. And so I really wonder if there's something here for us it, that instead of analyzing and, and striving, off we do, just go to the Lord. Seek Him. And sometimes let's seek Him desperately. Don't be afraid. Like spend your emotional money on Him until it's, it's used up. Whatever it takes. And, and because they had this, interesting, because they had this interaction and now she's clean and, and, and she's no longer bleeding, she has an opportunity to reconnect with the society. So when the Lord brings healing to us, it's not just physical. And we see this with when he clean, uh, cleansed rather or healed uh, people with leprosy. He was not only healing their bodies and making them better. He was restoring their place in the community. The Lord's healing is is, is a holistic experience uh, that he provides uh, for us. So then, while this is happening, we read verse 35, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house, Jairus' house, some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, we don't know if it was the delay that made the difference, but we do, I think we're supposed to pick that up by the way the story is told. And again, picture yourself as Jairus. You, you, you do something similar to the woman, didn't break through a crowd, but he had the gum, like, it, it was already scandalous to, as a, as a, uh, somebody part of the elite, part of the status quo, to humble oneself and go to this, this, this preacher, miracle worker, teacher, and the, the whole crowd knows who this guy is, and they're going to his house. That was hard enough. And then Jesus gets interrupted. Oh my. And now his daughter is dead. But that's not the end of the story. Verse 36, but overhearing what they said, and it, and it was to Jairus, they're telling this to, Jesus hears this. And he said to the ruler of the synagogue, and here's the big 
statement for this message, in my humble opinion. This is the biggie. Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Remember, in Greek and in Hebrew, belief, trust, faith, same word. No, they, There's just the one word. It's pistis in, in Greek. It means belief, faith, trust, the same thing. We differentiate it in English as if there's a, a, um, a, a belief that's in our minds, call that cognitive. And then trust, we think of something more practical that requires action. It, in Greek and the Hebrew word as well, there's no differentiation. So it's as if he said, don't fear, don't be afraid, just trust. Now, years ago, I, I, I encountered this. I'd read it many times, but some years ago, I'm reading this, and it really, really struck me. Why does he say that? Don't fear, just believe, or just trust. Fear versus trust. It shouldn't be don't doubt, but believe. Don't doubt, but trust. Or how about don't fear, which we read in so many places in the Bible. Apparently, it's when they call it the most stated command. Fear not. He didn't just say fear not, or don't fear, don't be afraid. It's don't fear, only believe. Now, maybe it had to do with the mockery that was about to come because they were going to get to the house. Jesus is going to say the girl's only sleeping. We'll talk about that in a minute. And everybody laughs at him. Now, nobody likes being laughed at. Especially important people. They may not show how much they don't like it, but people that have risen to the top of their society, the important people, the leaders, really don't like being laughed at because don't you know who I am? And this experience that Jairus was now finding himself into, now he just thought he would ask the healer for help. Yay, the healer said, okay, healer's coming, heal the girl, wonderful celebration, but no, he has to get caught up in this whole situation. Now his daughter's dead, not just sick. And, and now the whole thing becomes an even greater spectacle with this leader, ruler of the synagogue in the middle of it all. There might be also something too that in, in a sense, there is a, a, a contrast between being afraid and trusting. And the more I think about it, well, yeah. Because when things are going wrong and everything's falling apart, we get afraid. And when we're afraid, then we're tempted to start doing things that we really shouldn't be doing. But when we're trusting and we're still listening to what God is saying and we, we respond to the situation, we don't react to the situation. And Jesus was basically showing Jairus, showing his disciples, showing us how not just to cope, but how to respond to some of the most difficult situations. Some of you uh, are aware of our daughter and her husband coming back uh, from from Haiti. Actually, uh, our son-in-law is Haitian. Our daughter has been married three years to him. She's been a missionary in Haiti for about 10 years. They had a, a baby um, um, less than a year ago. She had the baby in Ottawa because her husband hadn't yet 
gotten his permanent residency, as we call it here in Canada, the 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 special status to be able to to live in Canada, not citizen, but a resident. Um, so he, after a long process, he he finally got it. That that was wonderful. They planned for this past Wednesday, um, which was the 18th of March. Uh, that's when they got their tickets for, not knowing that they would be thrust into the current coronavirus crisis. And so the border in Haiti was not yet closed, and everything we understood, we understood from the Canadian government made it clear that they'd be able to get through. They got to the airport, and they were told that he could not board the plane because he uh, because he was not already actually a permanent resident yet. He only had his 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 visa to get the residency once he arrived. So they they saw his paperwork, said he didn't yet have what he needed. They were actually wrong. They were wrong, but they were in charge. And um, we use an online system to communicate in the family, and we have we have ten kids, and so um, everyone's getting involved in their in their predicament. As we heard that. Uh, that my son-in-law could not board the plane, and we were encouraging our daughter to to stand her ground, to explain, and what she did. And I I told her uh, that she should talk to a supervisor. She got a supervisor. Supervisor said no. They talked again, and they got a final no. And everybody was leaving. Everybody. So all sorts of other people were getting turned away too. And she, she just said the airport was becoming like a ghost town. Everybody was leaving. It seemed to be over. And yet I wasn't the only one in the family that had a sense in our heart, no, no, no. And and eventually I prayed a I prayed a prayer that God would move the mountain with my little bit of mustard seed faith that God would move the mountain. And without going to the details here, some officials showed up, um, resolved the situation, he got on the plane, they arrived they're in the vicinity. They have to go through their 14 day of uh, isolation due to the virus. Not that they have it, just that's what people have to do when they come um, from away. Um, but they made it. And I'm thinking of the people who didn't stay. That looks like they could have gone on, but they, they didn't push through. Now, I don't think we should always be pushing through, but sometimes we need to be like that woman. And now Jairus, who had no plans to, to do this, was, was being encouraged by Jesus, don't give up, don't be afraid, just trust. Verse 37, And he, that is Jesus, allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And this is one of the reasons why um, uh, commentators believe that when when he says in a moment, the child's not dead but sleeping, that it was some sort of, either he was speaking about him getting ready to wake her up from being dead, waking up from being dead, uh, or speaking about resurrection in that sense, uh, that uh, so her her state was temporary from his perspective. Uh, people knew in that day what death looked like, they knew what it smelt like, they knew what dead really was. And it seems that this person was dead dead, she wasn't mostly dead, some of you would get that cultural reference. So she was dead, and that's why the mourners were there. And in that society, they would actually pay people to come, and professional mourners, and they would be weeping and wailing loudly, as it says, a real commotion. So, so poor Jairus, 
He's in the middle of all this. Remember, he's the ruler of the synagogue. And all this is happening and thrust into the situation. The woman did it willingly. He's in this, in a sense, unwillingly. I guess he could have bailed on the Lord, I imagine. But he's now caught up in this story that we get to read all these hundreds of years later. And verse, so verse 39, verse 39, and when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, but sleeping. And verse 40, they laughed at him. That's what happens. That's what happens when you are believing what God is saying. When you are trusting what God wants to do, you will be a laughingstock. And there are people that can't cope with that. And, and because people, uh, uh, make us feel foolish, we bail. And we must not bail. We need to be like what I was calling my, our daughter to do at the airport. Stand your ground. It's not over. And it looks so silly. Everybody else is leaving. But no, no, no. God's not finished with this situation yet. How did we know that? I don't know how we knew that. Maybe God was prompting us. I'm not really sure how it works. But it does. And, and it's not a formula. And in this situation, the Lord was calling him to stand his ground and just and take the mockery. And uh, take the mockery. And continuing in verse 40. But he put them all outside. You're making too much noise. Get out of here. And took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Uh, we don't know if if there was a small group in the house because the house was small or there is this secrecy thing about what he's doing. We don't know because it doesn't say. Verse 41, taking her by the hand, he said to her in such a little precious moment here, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And all of a sudden, for some reason, Mark quotes what the Lord actually said in Aramaic, the, the, which is Jewish Aramaic, the type of Aramaic that uh, the Jewish people were speaking in the land of Israel at that time. Um, and so we get this this precious little moment and the girl gets up and begins to walk and you get this this detail again for she was 12 years of age why do we need to know that i don't know and they were immediately overcome with amazement and this is why we call i'm calling this series the remarkable gospel because this keeps on happening whoa look at this look what he did they were so impacted and i believe we're told this so that we are impacted girl was really healed and and then again this kind of secrecy thing that's going on and i i at this point i believe that the reason for the secrecy verse 43 and he strictly charged them that no one should know this is because uh is there's a good chance it would get out of hand and also the romans who we don't read about a lot in the gospels the romans were so into keeping the peace that if if Jesus had worked the crowd more and, and made his ministry more public, the Romans probably would have shut it down. That's a bit of a theory I have, um, but I think it's a good one. And then one of my favorite uh, statements in the Bible, forgive me if you need to forgive me, and he and told them to give her something to eat. It's a very Jewish thing. Um, there's a Jewish comedian, uh, says when you know when non-jewish people go on vacation remember going on vacation with people used to do that when they go and they come back and talk about well what'd you see what'd you do but when jewish people go on vacation or when you come back and a jewish person hears about your vacation the question is and this is really true what did you eat 
Uh, I don't know why it's it's that important, and but that's the question we ask. And um, of course, and and you know when someone's been sick, seeing them eat is 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 that just a Jewish thing? Is that just my family? Oh, the child's eating. Oh, they're eating. I'm so glad they're eating. But also, why even say this? Again, it's it's part of the reflection of this being uh, um, a real story that that people did not make up, and they're reporting actual things that happen. And such a such a homey feel to the story. Well, what what do we actually learn from this besides some of the things that I've already already shared? And and in this, what what we're getting here in both of these stories of the woman and Jairus. We see that we're encouraged to not fear, but believe. And part of that is we see a certain kind of tenacity here. The need to, when everything's coming down on you, when everything's depleted, when there's every reason that people would say to fear, don't give up. If you know the Lord, don't give up. We're in a very um, difficult time right now. There are people that are suffering physically people in the world that are dying, people that are in a high vulnerable state to this, people that are just, they're worried, um, people are losing their jobs, are being laid off. Great, I'm grateful here in Canada, some of the things that are, our government is doing uh, to help in all sorts of ways. And by the way, if you are worried about some, and I mean this, if you're worried about some of the financial things, you don't know what to do, do let us know send me an email. Uh, there might be programs and things that are going on right now that can help you. And also we want to help you in any way we can. There's no, you're not alone. Uh, you have the Lord and, and hopefully you have us. And if, if we can't help you, maybe we'll find somebody that can in some way. Uh, but, um, there's a, there's a famous, uh, legendary baseball player. He was both a catcher for the New York Yankees and a manager. His name was Yogi Berra, not Yogi Berra, the cartoon character, Yogi Berra. And he was famous for some of his unusual sayings. Uh, one of them was, it's deja vu all over again. And uh, I won't get distracted by Yogi Berra, but he had a, a statement where some of the things he said, it was like stating the obvious. And he would say about, it was probably from a baseball game, it's not over till it's over. And it's it's sort of more true in baseball than in other games, but I won't get into that. But of course, it's not over. Like, things are looking bad, but it's not over yet. So it's not over. But in the story that I just told you about uh, my daughter and son-in-law, it looked like it was over. It was over. They were told it was final. Jairus' friends told him it was final. She's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And yet Jesus' word was, it's not over. It looks over. It feels over. It see Everybody says it's over. They're already mourning. But it's not over. With Jesus, it's never over. And even when you know him, even when you die, it's not over. It's never over with him. And yet, it's so easy to be afraid. It's so easy to move to despair. But we don't need to. We need to look to him. And 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 if it feels that we can't get to him, we need to break through the crowds. If only we could touch his, his garment. Cry out to him. Cry out to him if he feels that he's far away. Cry out to him. Don't give up. And it's something that we see all the way through the Bible. The, the, the biblical heroes, like Moses, when he's told that God is going to destroy the nation because of their sin with what's called the golden calf. And in Exodus chapter 32, late, later on, God says, I'm going to get rid of all these people and make a new nation through you. And Moses said, no, Lord, don't do it. 
and Abraham pleaded with God, and David cried out to God, and Job confronted God. And we see uh, that those who know the Lord, uh, uh, Jacob wrestled with God and overcame. He's our model. That when things seem to be going wrong, don't give up, break through. With God's help, he will help us to do that. Let's look to him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you have promised never to leave us or forsake us. Please, Lord, help us to, to, to um, not be afraid, but trust. Help us, Lord. Show us where our fear has taken over. Show us where we're moving to despondency and despair. And help us, Lord, by your grace to stand when everything looks like it's going wrong, to trust you. Help us, Lord, to push through when need be, um, not with arrogance, but with trust, knowing and being confident of your love. Help us, Lord, whoever is listening to this or watching this right now, comfort them, help them to turn away from themselves and their, and, and their situation. Help me to turn away from the things that I'm stressed out about and to look to you and to trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Leave your comments uh, and please send me an email, uh, pastor at allsaintslutheran.ca and uh, feel free to share this with others. Until next time. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.